remember the show from the 60s, Lost in Space. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. I thought it was kind of funny that the opening of that TV show puts their launch, it, it was like 1997. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what we thought would happen by 1997? And here we are at 2020. And there's still no flying ships leaving us, and, but we're getting closer, right? But a new year, 2020, man, this is crazy that here we are. We began last week a series. Last year, we started a series talking about the start of something new. Every year, I like to remind us that God is still at work in the year that comes, and maybe there are some things that we need to adjust to follow with what he is doing. In fact, let me give you an example. Some of you are travelers, and perhaps your travels have taken you over a pass before. How many recall seeing the signs on the side of the road that say, chains required? Yeah. Then there's always those people who think that doesn't apply to them. Maybe you have been one of them. I don't need chains. I've been driving forever. And so you make your way up the pass. And isn't it predictable that sometime during the winter weather reports of our news station, we're going to watch video clips of cars slipping and sliding down the pass, people who thought they could make it without chains, Their car loses control. They begin a slippery slide. They begin to take out other cars on the way down or find themselves in the ditch. All because they chose to ignore a simple command. Chains required. Now, I know it's a pain to get out of your car and put chains on. Trust me, I know it's a pain. But generally, a little bit down the road, you're glad you did that. As your car stays soundly and tracked, with the road while you watch other people who disregarded that command sliding around or hoping to find a wide enough spot to actually now chain up because they recognized they needed this after all. Chains required. Today I want to talk about how change is required. How change is required. A lot of those signs say chains required beyond this point because there's something there that you're going to need the chains to accomplish. I want to say this year that change is required because I believe God has some things here for you, and change is required beyond this point to get to what God has for you in 2020. And we talked about that a little bit last week. I challenged you with what is the one thing that you need to change? to live 2020 differently. And some of you prayed that through. Maybe you wrote it down. Maybe you've been seeking God about that. But change is always required. In fact, change is required now to avoid an outcome that you'll regret later. So some of us know that because we've lived with regrets that we wouldn't have had to face had we changed. And so change is required now to avoid a regret that you might face in the coming year if you don't make the decision, the hard decision, to make a change now. There was a story in the Bible of a man who chose to make a change. His name was Moses. You might have heard the name Moses. All of us have because he's obviously a very foundational character in the opening books of the Bible. In fact, he's the author of the first five books of the Bible. And he records in his own documents that he wrote his own story where he had to bring change. Now, obviously, he was already a change agent. God had used Moses 
called him from the backside of the wilderness where he was tending sheep for his father-in-law Jethro, calls him to go to Pharaoh in Egypt and demand the Israelites' freedom. And so he goes, a little bit hesitantly, but he goes. He stands before Pharaoh, makes the commands. Pharaoh, of course, was he say, no, the plagues follow. You can read the story. It's a wonderful story in Exodus about the deliverance of God's people from the land of their bondage in Egypt. But the story I want to pick up today takes place after that already happened. So now we have Moses, and he's leading a nation of people. And that probably is numbering anywhere in the brackets of three to five million people. Okay, this is not a small little herd of people moving through the wilderness. This is a large city of people that he is leading. And as he's leading these people, he's been kind of the lone leader. Let's look at it. So we see in Exodus 18, and in fact, I just want to pause here and say, if you want to follow along today's message, there's three ways that you can do it, right? You can use the YouVersion Bible app that many of you already have on your smart devices. Just pop open the YouVersion Bible app, go to events, you'll find Neighborhood Church, our notes are there. Secondly, just go to our website, albanync.org, you'll find the messages drop down. And I encourage you to take notes or to get those notes those ways. Third way is using our uh, Neighborhood Church app that many of you have downloaded, and you can find that in your local store. But in Exodus, well, your play store, whatever you call it, Exodus 18, verse 13. So here's Moses. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. I love this next part of the story. That could have been a great answer. It's like, I'm God's man. I'm the one that God has chosen, and I'm the one who sits here and dispenses all the judgment. Jethro, his father-in-law, says this. What you are doing is not good. Let's just pause there for a minute. How many of you have had somebody who cared enough about you to say to you, what you're doing is not good? Now, he wasn't saying to Moses, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is bad. It's just not good. And he goes on to kind of explain why. But sometimes we need to listen to the people who love us enough to say, what you're doing it's not good. doesn't make you a bad person, but let's take a look at this. This isn't going to work long term. And that's what he's trying to confront with Moses. So here we go. Verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from them as officials over thousands, or men who are uh, fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. Now, if you were Moses, 
you'd stop and remind yourself, okay, I was the guy that was tending sheep, and God showed up in a burning bush and spoke to me. He sent me to Egypt. Plagues happened. We left as a nation. We crossed the sea because I put my staff on it, and it opened up. And now Jethro, my father-in-law, who's a sheep herder, is coming to me, the man who hears from God, to try to tell me what I should do. But Moses doesn't do that. What does he do? Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Change was required. And it was great change. Because think about it. If this story played forward where Moses every day sat outside and listened to people's disputes, how many disputes do you think there are going to be among five million people? I mean... A ton. I mean, we aren't a city of 5 million. We're barely a city of 50,000, yet our courts are always full of people disputing. Do you see what kind of full-time job Moses is creating for himself? And he had a mindset that said, I'm the one who hears from God. I'm the one that does this. But if he continued down that path, it's very possible the nation would go nowhere. So it was wise counsel, and he Listened. He made a change. Now, here's the thing that we have to think about when we look at the story. What mindset do you have? Or, or what habit or what addiction or what attitude or what thought process? What is the thing in your life that is hijacking the story you want to tell? Because for Moses, it would have been control. I'm the one in charge. I hear from God. That mindset would have hindered greatly what God would do through Moses. But he listened to his father-in-law. He made the changes, and the story progresses. Because change was required for Moses. He chose to stop doing something that not only changed his circumstance, but really would change the nation of Israel. The same is true for you and me. God may call you to change one thing that you will know will help you to live the story that he wants you to tell. In fact, you could say it this way. Many times you must let go of what you're holding on to in order to receive what God is wanting to give you. Maybe you've experienced this before. God was calling you into something or he was was wanting to lead you somewhere, but you knew you had to let go of something to embrace fully what God had for you. That's how growth spiritually works. We have to let go of our younger ways of thinking and living as Christians and then embrace what God has for us next. But I've always discovered in my life that I've had to be willing to let go of some things than fully grasp what God has for me. Moses did that. He let go of this control, and he stepped into people being empowered as a nation. So ask yourself this question. If I keep doing blank, so you fill in the blank. If I keep doing blank, what story will I be telling This year, what story I'll be telling in five years. If I just keep doing, what is my story? And is that the story that I want to be telling? And if not, then there's one thing very quickly, like Moses, that God may be pointing out for you that needs to change. So Moses changed that one thing, and it dramatically changed the story of himself and the nation of Israel for the better. So what does God want you to what? What want you to want? What is the one thing? that God may be calling you to change because change is required. In fact, this is a a key truth I've discovered, and, and I wish it wasn't, but this is the way life works. You cannot stay the same and expect a different outcome. 
Okay? You cannot stay the same and expect a different outcome. Change is required. So 2019 is over. Maybe you were hoping for something to be different, but you recognized you didn't change. So if you refuse to change, then you will never have a different outcome. Change is required. Sometimes the best decision that we can make then is to step out, to go when it would be easier to just stay, to stay the same, to stay where you are. Let me give you another example from Scripture. Abraham, another hero of the faith we find in Hebrews 11, a man who we don't know much of until all of a sudden Genesis 12 shows us. Abraham is, at this point in his life, 75 years old. He's been living for 75 years in his hometown, minding his own business, doing whatever Abraham did, 75 years. I mean, some of you aren't even there yet, 75 years. Imagine God showing up when you have been pretty set in your ways and God changing or at least allowing you an opportunity to step into something that would totally change your life. And not just your life, but generations to come. Let's look at the story, Genesis 12. Verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, that was what he was called before his act of obedience, when he became then the father of many nations. Okay? Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, pretty simple command. Leave and go. The problem with the command is there's no details. Now, how many of you are detail-oriented people? Right? So Abraham might have been thinking, this, this sounds great, God, but I got to go back to Sarah and tell her we're leaving after being here 75 years. And I'm just going to tell her that you're going to lead us to the land that you will show us? That sounds, I mean, how many wives would be, I'm in? It's kind of a hard thing to sell on here, Lord. Leave and go. It may seem kind of obvious, but to go somewhere else, you have to leave where you are. To go somewhere else, you have to leave what's known, what, what's comfortable, what's predictable, what's been routine, what's been easy, what's been life for 75 years. In fact, to step toward your destiny, you, you might actually have to step away from your security. And some of you have done that. You've stepped away from where it was comfortable and safe and predictable, and you stepped out of your security. That's what Moses did. That's what Abraham chose to do. But imagine what's going on in Abraham's mind. Okay, God, this has been my home for 75 years. I have a life here. I have a wife here. I have friends. I, I'm in community here. Everything about these last 75 years has been wonderful, and it's, it's home. Why now would you call me to leave? Why not like when I was 20, wanting to figure out what I want to do with my life? Why would you do this now when I'm 75 and I feel like the better part of my life is actually behind me? Why would you now change plans? Well, I'm sure 
Abraham could have used a lot of excuses to rationalize it away. But God makes a promise to Abraham. So he gives him a simple command, leave and go. But then he gives him a promise. Let's look at it. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, and I will I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So he gives them a command, leave and go. And then he gives them a promise that if you do this, it's not just going to go well with you, Abraham. I'll bless you, but there will be lasting influence and impact because of your obedience here. And so what does he do? We'll find out here in a moment, but here's what I love about what God does. When he called Abraham into uncertainty, he gave him some certainty. It wasn't details. How many wished God would give you details in the midst of uncertainty? He didn't give details. What did he give? A promise. But I'm going to bless you. And in your obedience, you're going to bless others. You know, we have promises. In fact, God's promises are his assurances that he will be with you and that he will finish what he started in your life. Many of you love that verse in the New Testament where it speaks about that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion. And that's exactly what God did with Abraham, but he had to be willing to let God begin the good work in him. He had to step out, leave, and go. He had to be obedient. And God did the rest. His promise was an assurance that I'm with you and I will see this thing through. What I'm asking you to do, Abraham, is to take a step. So what does Abraham do? Let's look at verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Simple as that. Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He just did what God told him to do. But what if he hadn't? There's a whole kind of uh, style of writing called alternate history or alternative history. Maybe some of you have read books that are based on alternative history. One of them is The Man in the High Castle, which has become a TV series. But the whole premise of the storyline is what if Nazi Germany had won the war? And so it plays forward what that might have looked like. Thankfully, we don't have to imagine what that would have looked like. Other authors have taken actual historical events and then tried to figure out, well, if this didn't happen, what would be the outcome? So let's think back for a moment to the story of Abraham. What if he said no? What if he didn't leave and go? What what if he just decided to say, 75 years in my city, in my home, in, in my comfort, in my predictability, this is working well for me, God, so I'm sorry, no. What would have happened? I mean, thank God we don't have to know because he did, but what if? Then there wouldn't be an Isaac born out of promise and a great miracle of what God had done. There wouldn't be a Jacob. There wouldn't be a God of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It'd be maybe the God of like Bob, Sam, and Phil. We don't know exactly what that would have looked like. What would have happened? Would the nation of Israel, by the way, which is who came from Abraham's seed, would that nation even be established? We don't know. All I know is that God put so much potential into the one ask that he was asking of Abraham. And Abraham stepped into it. He stepped out of his comfort 
into what God had, and the rest is history, the nation of Israel, from which came Jesus, our Messiah, who we just celebrated through communion, the Savior of the world. That all links back to Abraham. I'm so glad he acted in obedience because it changed the course of history forever. Isn't it true that your act of obedience changes the course of history? You know, all of us are going to have a point in time when we have to make a decision. And we'll either look back and go, I should have made that decision. And now I have regrets because I didn't. Or we'll go, that was the day my story changed. That was the day my life completely changed for the better. When I made that one decision. Now again, it wasn't rocket science for Abraham. It was leave and go. Sometimes God's commands are so simple to hear. And they're so simple to understand but they're very hard to do because he calls you out of your security. He calls you into something maybe to you looks like uncertainty. So we come back to what I asked you last week. What is the one thing that God is calling you to change? What is the one thing? If God is calling you to go, then you're going to have to leave where you are to get to where he wants you to go. And I'm sure you don't want to miss out on what he has for you when you step into obedience, the blessings that come with obedience. But you have to step out to find out. You have to step out to find out. Now, most of us aren't willing to go there. A lot of you, God has brought you to a point where he has set before you a choice. You're like, God, I know I should do that. I know your Bible says I should do that. But it's just so hard to do that. It's hard to step out, so I'm not. And so we sit on this side of the line, and we wonder what we're missing out on. Why is it so hard to step out when God calls us to do that? We all know the basic reasons. We're afraid. We're insecure. We like predictability. I like my life my way. We, we know we got a lot of excuses that we can rationalize a way out of saying, I'm not going to go there. Abraham could have done that. Moses tried for a while to rationalize why God couldn't use him to lead the people of Israel out of their captivity. He tried. We can do that, but the bottom line is we don't have faith. And that's hard for us as Bible-believing Christians to hear. But the truth is, if I'm unwilling to step out, it's because I don't have faith. What do I have instead? Fear. And last time I checked, God said pretty clearly, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind or of self-discipline. Why is faith so important? Well, Hebrews 11.6 tells us why. And it says this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, Kelly, I don't have the faith of Moses. I don't have the faith of Abraham. I don't have that kind of faith to finish what God is calling me to do. Well, I have good news for you. And here's the good news. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You only have to have enough faith to start. That's it. I think about that story we love in Scripture where Jesus calls Peter out on the water. He didn't think it all the way through. We, we can see it in the storyline later. Peter didn't really think the whole thing through. 
but he took one step. Now, I'm sure Peter would like a do-over of that event and, and, and try it again, because I think he'd probably approach it differently, but he had the faith to start. When God calls us to step out, we may not have it all together. We may not have it all figured out. We may not have the faith to see it finished. But all we need is the faith to start. Abraham never saw the rest of history beyond his life, the side of the earth, to see what him stepping out caused. If God had given him the whole plans, he probably would have just had a heart attack at 75 years old and died. But he had enough faith to start. Friends, God calls us to that. We trust him with the first step, and then he takes care of the rest. But to take that first step, friends, change is required, because I can't go there if I'm not willing to leave here. Let me give you an example as we close today. One of the things that I have determined as your pastor is that I would live what I preach. So it's not just easy to get up and preach a message. You know, you got to kind of live it. Maybe you followed a pastor before who didn't live by what they preached. So when we come to a message like this where we, we say, God, what are you calling us out to? As a pastor, I have to be obedient to what God is calling us out to. So God's challenged me with a moment to step out into what he has. But here's the thing. For me to step out for what God has for me, I have to be willing to step down as your lead pastor. So this year, I'm making the hard decision to change, to step down when I'd rather stay where it's comfortable. My family and I have been a part of this church for 12 years, and it's been wonderful years. But I know God is calling me to step down from this season of ministry to step into a season of preparation. And I really resonate with Abraham right now. Because I'm not leaving you to go somewhere else. There wasn't some bigger church with a better plan calling me out. I'm not stepping down because somebody in the church or on the board thinks I shouldn't be here. I'm stepping down because God is challenging me to do that. Which makes it really hard because we love reasons. So here's your reason. I'm stepping in to what I believe God has for me. But in order to get to there, I have to let go of here. And this is hard. But like I've told you, change is hard. No one likes change but babies with messy diapers, right? That's the only ones who like change. So a lot of questions probably go through people's minds like it did when I sat down with the board and told them what I felt God was calling me to. When I sat with my staff. These aren't, these aren't easy moments because your heart is here. And I told my wife when we were reflecting on this, I said, I don't, if it's easy, I should be afraid. 
But here's what I discovered about obedience. Obedience to God is never easy, but it is always good, and it is always worth it. Somebody might ask, well, can't you just say no? I've thought about it. I have. I've thought about saying no because I love this church, and I love you. I love this community. I love the predictability of life, as unpredictable as ministry life is. I love the predictability of the unpredictable life of a minister. But I'm stepping back to pursue an education that I know God has challenged me to, that I've kept putting off and putting off and putting off. And I can't do that while pastoring this church because this is a timely, very time-consuming ministry that I've been loving giving my life to past 12 years that I've been here. I'm coming up to 30 years of ministry in my life. I know ministry. I'd love to stay in this kind of role. I don't know what God has for me, so I feel like Abraham going, okay, God, you want to give me some detail about the country? Maybe a population at least or what the food's like? I don't know what God's leading me into entirely, but I know he's calling me to step aside to embrace what he has. So I can't make this journey of faith without obedience, and you can't step into what God has for you without obedience. So what if I said no? Then I would miss out on what God has for me. And it would be a decision that would impact this church as well. See, Abraham said yes, and because of that, his life was changed, but also so was the entire story of the nation of Israel. So if I said no, it would have consequences for neighborhood church. I believe God has great days ahead of this church. So it's hard to leave when things are going good. But I know my season of leadership has come to a close. I'm not leaving today, don't worry. It's coming to a close. We'll have more information. I I guarantee you we will keep you informed of the process, of a timeline of things that are happening. But this has not been an easy decision that we have reached And it doesn't seem super timely, but God orchestrated events that I had to, because I'm pretty practical. He orchestrated events that I couldn't reject. So pray for us as we will be praying for you. This week of prayer coming up, we need it. Monday through Friday, 7 to 8. Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. Come pray with us. We need to seek God for the next part of this church's future. I believe it's poised the next season of what God wants to do through Neighborhood Church. And I might be around to watch it from a distance. I'm not sure what life's going to bring our way, but we're trusting God and being obedient. Let's pray. Father, obedience is hard. It is. And Jesus, you know that. Because obedience meant you were laying down your life. Quite literally. And sometimes we want Christian obedience to be so easy. But Lord, there are times you call us to changes that are hard. And this is one of those. But you've been at work before. This day, you are at work on this day, and you'll be at work beyond this point of obedience. Because we have your promise, your assurance that you are with us, and you will see this come the next season. 
Lord, I thank you for your word that encourages us. That if we commit our plans to you, we will succeed. But then also how you bring everything to its appropriate and timely end. So we trust you with beginnings, but can we trust you with ends? Those are sometimes hard. But we will. I will as my family comes to an end of this season. This church will as they come to an end of our leadership season here. But God, we know that you are working and you are creating a season ahead of this church that is going to be powerful. And you're creating in my life a season of ministry that you're calling me to that will have impact, and I thank you for that. But change is hard, so help us. As we navigate through these weeks, direct us as you have already and as you continue to do. And now we turn to each of us, and Lord, we ask, what are the things that we need to change? What is it this year you're calling us into? Maybe it's purity, because we've been too easy to compromise our morals. Maybe you're calling us into a a place of freedom from a bondage that's held us too long, a change that's hard, but you're with us. Maybe you've called us into things that will benefit our family or our marriage. Help us to be obedient. But to be there, change is required. So we embrace that, that we might receive what you have fully for us in the coming year. So thank you that we trust you in all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.